yes it's a tuesday night i'm yogi roth welcome to field of 12 after dark powered by bet rivers you can find us on sirius xm you want some swag you can go get it just go to field of 68.shop but with all that said i'm just kind of fired up tonight good to hang out with michael felder got known for a long time and george my man whitfield i feel like we've been speaking this into existence into existence hello here we are here hello we are. yogi roth here Hello, we are. All right, so, uh, guys, we got a lot to talk about. We only have an hour. The SEC, Felder, you're moving on back to that area of the world. Mm-hmm. You're moving to Charlotte tomorrow. Trouble on the horizon. I mean, I don't know. People, people don't like saying trouble in the SEC. It's usually the other way. Any, uh, any ugly win is always deemed a gritty win. We're out here on the West Coast. Sometimes gritty wins get painted as ugly wins. So we'll beat that up back and forth. We'll talk about the Pac-12. We'll talk about the SEC. Talk about the Big Ten West and who the leaders are right now in that division. If you just look at the standings, it's kind of interesting. Firings, of course, uh, two go down this weekend with Carl Durrell at Colorado in the Pac-12. And oh, wow. Paul Christ go down at a 72%, I think, winning percentage. He gets let go as well. So we got a lot of insight. So we're going we're gonna to cheers to a few things, fellas. And George, I must say, I was inspired by you over the weekend. We all have young kids, Felder, Savannah's four. Yep. Kennedy's growing up before our eyes. I got two little boys. George <laughs> took his little daughter on a road trip. I'll be doing that with my son here for a game shortly. Felder, you're going on like a legit cross, almost cross-country road trip. So yeah. with that said, mm-hmm. I'd like to cheers to a coach's ideology or philosophy among a team we'll talk tonight that you would hope gets instilled in your little one. I'll let you think about it. I'll go mm. first. Okay. So my I love cheers, this. My cheers, right? It's not always just yayas and screwing around with each other, right? We're going to get a little, we'll get deep tonight a little bit. I'm going to cheers to top 25 Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly gave me a quote about three months ago. I wrote this quarterback book and he said, praise and blame are all the same. <laughs> and when you watch DTR play the way he did in the upset over ranked Washington, we see a ranked UCLA. You could argue their win is better than other teams in the top 10 that are undefeated right now. So I'm going to cheers. Praise and blame are all the same. Zane and Makai, I hope you hear that and heed that. Hey. I love that. I, I, Yogi, I love that. You know what? I'm going to go. I'll go next. Because the thing for me and the thing I want to talk about, because I know we're going to talk a little Ole Miss later, but I'm going to go speed and space. But I'm going to go speed and space on defense because that's what, as a parent, you better have. You better have, especially with your partner, however you're parenting, you better have some speed and space, whether that's dealing (laughs) with the stairs, whether it's dealing with the stairs or dealing with the or or dealing with the refrigerator or making sure that your kid gets to bed on time. You better have speed and space. And I really love that the, the, the defense that Ole Miss is playing and. It's really wild to watch, even after DJ Durkin moves over to AM, watching them use speed and space from a, from the defensive side. I really, man, I can't beat it for me, baby. I love that. Hey, one. hey. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. AM could use a little speed and space. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> I'm a, All right, George. I know you, you got a lot of your process. A right lot, now. man. I tried to. I'm up here sifting, sifting, sifting. What would I apply to the daily charge with my six-year-old? 
So she Ooh. becomes a great seven-year-old. Okay. Um, after much consideration, the Whitfield draft of the mantra we will choose will be Jim Harbaugh's attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. I learned this kids model a lot. So you yeah. can say a bunch and you can bark a bunch, but if you model, they, they model you. If yeah. you put up model material so you can win so much with enthusiasm. I hurt my knee. That's all right. Well, what's next? Are we still going to watch? Wait, what? She's out of it. Dad, I don't really want to get up. That's all right. Because we got school. We got the bagels. What shoes are you going to wear? Kennedy, your friends. Wait, what? You can overwhelm so much with enthusiasm uh, and just the spirit. So to, to both of yours, Coach Harbaugh, great, great question. That might be the toast of the year right there. Well, it's one of the honors you get as, as the host, which we all get to play that role pending the day of the week. Uh, so yeah. let's go down to the South. And I love how all three of those mantras will bleed into our discussion tonight. Let us know in your thoughts. Hit us up on social media. We'll hit you back. Uh, I think that, at least from my chair, fellas, Oregon goes in week one and, and gets rolled by Georgia. Nobody yeah. cares that they missed 29 tackles. Nobody cares there's 376 yards after contact. Georgia's got anointed because of what they did last year, because of what they did in subsequent weeks. Yes. And I think what often gets forgotten is that like majority of players, unless you're one of those anomalies that are like 25 or 30 playing college football, Utah's got a 30 year old puncher, for instance, most players are 18 to 22. Yeah. And focus every week, high perform, high performance every week is just unrealistic. Like we just, teams are going to get scared. Teams are not going to play their best. Other teams are going to elevate. So they have a scare over the weekend. What do we think? Do we think that's anomaly? Do we think like, you know what? They put their pants on like everybody else. Like where, where do we net out? Because I feel like they've gotten a pass, much like Bama has always gotten a pass of like Ohio State. Of course, well, of course their rosters are among the best if you give them a month off to go to the playoff. But in the course of this season, where's our reality right now? George, I'll start with you. Uh, anomaly. 100% anomaly. And you already said it, kicking us off. Humans. They're young humans. Look, these guys, you're fooling yourself if you don't think the kids in that building and the people in that building aren't looking down the road to the SEC championship. And yeah, to a man, to a woman, to a trainer, to a secretary, they're all thinking, well, it's us and it's probably Bama and it's probably Ohio State, whoever's in, like they've been there, they've done it and they have held serve for so long. This is an anomaly. Youngsters, they board them up, they take them way out west to the sleepiest college town in the SEC, to the worst college team in the SEC, you know, given Vanderbilt. Ooh, let's go out here. And, <laughs> yeah, let's go out here and take care of this business and get home. They got a big October schedule. Of course, they're looking around and they went in there and they got caught. Weathered the storm. Coaches showed great poise. There were no fiery speeches. There were no little skirmishes on the sideline. It's like, buckle up. Hey, we, you know, we kind of thought we would roll our helmets out here and get this done. Obviously, that wasn't the case. They let it get close. Kirby Smart will use this as a teaching moment. And I bet you those upperclassmen will certainly use it as a teaching moment. But yeah, this is still the baddest team 
in college football. It just now has, you know, a, a couple of vulnerabilities it's shown, but all in all, I, I just think this is anomaly. Okay. All right. Felder, George referenced vulnerabilities. Do you see those vulnerabilities showing and peaking up again, or do you think yeah. no, they're going to, I mean, they're going to roll the next two weeks. That's the thing. And, and I think they probably do roll the next couple of weeks, but the reality for me is we do need to talk about that speed and space concept, right? The idea of when you put guys outside the numbers and Georgia has a declare and something, George, I know you and I talked about with Clint Sterner, Yogi, I know you saw when we talked about it with Clint Sterner, where you force a defense to declare. So the, the disguise isn't there. And what we end up with is the biggest thing for me is they don't have N'Kobe Dean anymore. And when you don't have N'Kobe Dean, I think he's one of the smartest college football players that I've ever seen. Yeah. Guy's brilliant. And so when they force you to declare by going wide, what you end up with is a defense that's readable. Kent State, where, are their, where were their best plays against Georgia? Outside the numbers. Mizzou showed outside the numbers, came back inside the numbers, and then went wide. That touchdown that they threw to that, I think it was a tight end, the touchdown that they threw to the tight end, Mizzou, that was beautiful football because Georgia didn't know what they were doing. And the idea of Georgia not knowing what they're doing, to me, is the bigger problem. It's not about – they got out muscled or they got out coached or they got outplayed. It's the fact that they forced you to show your hand and they did something different. I don't think that they're vulnerable, they're excuse me, vulnerable to everybody on their schedule. But when we pull up Georgia's schedule, I mean, we're looking at they're gonna be fine, I believe, against Auburn, because Auburn, I don't know what they're doing. Vandy, Florida's an interesting. Florida's, it's not that interesting, but Tennessee, Tennessee is speed and space as well. All Mississippi at home. Stadium. Huh? Those are all at home. Yes. Th that's, that's in Sanford. Um, Mississippi State. Speed and space. We'll see what that looks like. And then Kentucky is an interesting game because they're going to try to out Georgia, Georgia, which I don't think you're going to be able to do. I think that's why they're in a bad position. Yeah. Go ahead, George. I, I see. I know I, you got something. No, no. I, so I, I agree on that last point. I do want to hear Yogi's perspective on this. I agree on that last point. Kentucky is all in on this. It takes a tiger to come get a tiger. They they just are like a hundred pounds smaller than Georgia. Bingo. The the piece here on George, I think people you got to remember. Like, let's just go to that Alabama Texas game for a minute. Felder Yogi, remember now. Gary yeah. Patterson, senior advisor to Sark, and a longtime heavyweight coach he's go, who's going to wind up taking one of these jobs, he game-planned for Alabama in May. All summer. All summer long, and it paid dividends. You don't think Missouri had a couple of staffers or a senior advisor, or they've been tapping to NFL coaches. This was their Super Bowl. And I said this the other night, Missouri's locker room to a man will all talk about this last game in their 70s. Oh, man, we had the number one team. We had them down and we were this. Oh, remember so-and-so had that tackle coach. Georgia kids will forget about this in two weeks. That's just the big difference. Missouri kids will remember this long until their 70s. And Georgia would be like, I don't even know what game that was. You know that, Missouri? Who knows? 
on to the next. That it just didn't matter. Every game, yes, we bark about it and say it matters, it matters. Yeah, okay. To them, box checked. They got the knockout. It was it was late. It was sloppy. It was this and that. But they still knocked them out, and off they go. It will not be memorable to Georgia, but you you must take into account everybody. They go play. Bama plays. Ohio State plays. These teams have been game planning for them for months. Georgia probably put in a good solid week, and then that was all they really needed. So anyway, I, yeah, I, I think I think I kind of net out somewhere in the middle. Okay. The last two games they played, they haven't looked like the team that gets a pass. Kent State, yeah. the last eight quarters of football yeah. weren't great. I That's love true. how they rose up, right? Like I called SC Oregon State. It reminded me a lot of that game, right? Yes. On the road at Missouri, kind of a funky environment. Um, but there's things they gotta fix. Like I don't I don't see them being I'll still go down like the best team I've seen in recent years was 2020 Alabama. It yeah. reminded me of SC back in the day when we lost the Texas in the title game, where it was just like, look out, right? Like Georgia was that last year eventually, but def- defensively from day one. Yeah. So I don't know. Here's what I do know, though, is that the scheduling gods in the SEC take care of their, take care of their teams. Yes, because you look over the lack of crossovers. How about this? Take 2020 out. When mm-hmm. was the last time Georgia had a crossover against Alabama? Was that 2008? It was like a decade. Like yeah. more than a decade, right? Like look at they don't play A&M, and I get that they're down. They don't play Ole Miss, who is clearly up, right? Like I just think that there's misses, and you look at how the schedule lays out. Like who in the world has three straight conference home games? Right. Like honestly, yeah. like I'm curious. Like maybe you know someone can let us know online. Like who else does? But <laughs> – I mean, yours is dialed. I, I applaud not having the Citadel in week 11 like most teams in the SEC. But I do think it's fair to say, like, yeah, they're going to – they should roll. But, man, what, what I don't like – because we live in this world now of, like, super conferences and blah, 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 and, and I get that. But when you don't have to have it every single week – and not many leagues have that, right? But when it's right. when it's set up, we're like, you're not really playing the big dog. Like, we've known Alabama's been good for a long time now. You know, like, and I don't know enough about the SEC schedule if like it's set 10 years in advance. I'd highly doubt it. It's probably right. a rotation every two years like most leagues. Um, again, I, I don't work for that league, so I can't confirm what that is. Maybe you guys know. But I don't like that for the sport because what we're setting up is basically survive, advance, get better. But let me, if I could guy. balance, let me balance that out just a second. SEC Think about your resident monsters down. Like they're all some kind of monster. Missouri and Vanderbilt are, you know, Panda. Who are the resident monsters in the SEC? So usually Florida is one. Not usually. usually. In a minute. Who are your resident? Who are your resident monsters? Well, just think about it. In the West, it's Alabama and LSU. And in the East, it's always been Georgia and Florida. They do have that balance. Every now and again, here comes AM or Auburn to push. Auburn's been in two national championships in the last 10 years. Now, yeah. on the east side, it's been a little quieter. Florida's had a run for years. Then Georgia just took it from Florida. Kentucky is pushing. To say Georgia doesn't necessarily get Alabama, that is true. But normally, they would have Florida waiting on them, and they do. The Gators knocked out the number seven team in the country 
out of the starting blocks. They'll still Utah have to wakes, Utah wakes up every day kicking themselves for losing they, that football game. They do. But here comes Kentucky. It's like a Bengal tiger and a Siberian tiger. They'll have to see each other. And then, you know, Tennessee is still – I mean, it's fascinating, if nothing else. Yes, the two pinnacle teams in that league right now don't see each other, and that's why you got to give credit to the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State and Michigan every year, no matter what, will see each other in the regular season to handle this business. Yeah. Down the South, they there there's a couple of them. There's four, five, six of them. And and I just still think they're they're gonna get challenged and tested. And if you come out of the SEC first or second, you've done something. Agreed. I just think that it, and we got to move on to the next topic, but just to put a bow on it. The marketing of the league is brilliant. We, we, no one can argue that. And they've won. It just means more. And they've had the big dog. <laughs> I get that. But I do think that as a country of football fans, a lot of the teams down there, as, as what you say, the big dogs, like um, they, they get a pseudo pass. Like it's kind of what I said over the top, like to start the show off. It was like a gritty win. There's a world where like that and Kent State were kind of ugly wins. You know, and yeah. I just think because of what those leagues have been, and I think a lot of it is due in part of who they don't play, is sets sets them up as a as a machine. Only eight conference games, and we know all those things. So um, it, we'll, we'll track it as the year goes on. But I want to get to a one last story. thing. Oh, Let me ahead. add just one last thing. When you get these big heavyweight power teams that don't have to change and don't have to adjust a lot, they come into the game with a fastball, maybe one off speed pitch, and they're going to just stay with it. Coaching staffs from other programs work hard. They they research. They connect with other people. How do you beat their off-speed pitch? Well, you do this. Kent State, great game plan. Missouri, great game plan. No, they don't have the horses. They don't have the manpower to hold up against it. But really, how much adjusting is Georgia and Bama and Ohio State doing? Ohio State, quite a bit. But the other two were just better than you. Most of their games oh, got Most of their games got decided at birth. Yeah, hundred, and I think that's the point. Like their rosters, and it's it's the it's the argument we talk about, and we'll get into it in November. But is it four best or right. four best bodies of work? And that well, is eventually where the playoff, ooh, I think, meets. Well, we can do that tonight if you'd like to. No, well, we have too well, much hang to on. talk about. Yo, Yogi, let's let's yeah. let's go because George just brought up that you don't have to adjust. But Jalen Milrow at Alabama with the Bryce Young injury, they're going to have to adjust, right? There we go. So that's a completely different story, and I'm ready to do that. Well, that's personnel change. But with Bryce Young out there, they're going to fly it as it is. But other programs week to week have to make big adjustments to get around this thing. It's just like watching the Patriots over the last couple of years. Two, three years ago with Tom Brady, they had one game. They only ran it six times. Last year with Mac Jones, they only threw it three times. Like they just, they recreate themselves to get past today's monster because they're just not that talented. But in, when you're down there in college, these guys are like, look, you know what's coming. Buckle it up. You know, brace yourself. That's it. If you're, if you're those big Jurassic Park looking monsters. Sorry, Yogi. Yeah, well, I think that's going to be the beauty of the expansion of the playoff, right? Like, so we get to see more of those teams get in there, which I think will make it more exciting because we know what the three rosters are that are elite, right? Everybody knows right. that end of the season. Right. So with that said, um, let, let's rip through the rest of the SEC because there's a bunch more I want to get to. Got Bryce Young injured. What, what do we think 
about that. Like, let's hope he's the best. We've all been around him respectively, and he's as good of a young man as there is in a game. Uh, every young quarterback should model their life after a lot of his. Uh, Lane's got it rolling right now. They take down – I know, George, you love Kentucky coming in the season. Mm-hmm. And then, like, A&M, like – Weird. It's just – yeah, George, I know you spent time there in the offseason. Like, what What do these things happen? So so let's start um, – uh, Felder, let's start with you on on Bryce Young. Like, what do you think this does for Bama? Do you, I mean, obviously anybody's vulnerable in this era of the game when you don't have a ton of depth at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he looked pretty good when he got in. But what do you think this nets out for them? Yogi, I want to put it back on you. Like, what do you think this does with the sh- – like, I'm a guy that's had shoulder injuries. And yeah. the difference between being a defensive back or a linebacker that has a shoulder injury is they, you slap a Douglas restraint on, they give you mm-hmm. a couple ibuprofen, and then you go out and keep playing football. But for a quarterback, if you can't get your arm up over here, you can't get all the way to here, then mm-hmm. you got a problem. And mm-hmm. so it's in the whole thing he has to deal with from a sprained AC joint is he's got to deal with that inflammation. He's got to deal with that pain management. So uh, because you also can't be as accurate without if 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 they're numbing your arm or trying to decrease the pain that you feel you're not as accurate and so I think that's going to be interesting but I also think it's going to be interesting to see um Jalen Milrow and Jameer Gibbs completely turn this offense on its head and become a rushing offense I Yogi I wanted to hear from you first because like you're an offensive guy like you're you're my offensive guy (laughs) what do you like what do you think you think they can do it because I think the offensive line is kind of excited that like Oh, we just get to get to push people around. Yeah, well, I think to everybody that that George has talked to around like coaches game planning for one of these monster teams, like that nobody nobody game plan for this, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's like totally flipped heading into the A and M week, which you know we all were excited about this game, of course, for sure. obvious dramatic, ridiculous reasons this offseason. Uh, but now we look at it, and I think Nick Saban, to to the point of the Patriots, is going to adjust brilliantly. Like, I think he, Bill O'Brien, like, I'm so excited to watch the game plan. I'm Mm. also excited to see what happens in that position because, George, we were around Ty Simpson. You know, Felder, you've been around. I'm like, yeah, dude is – I think he's the next guy there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I know when you walk into that program, like, you're either in or you're in the way. And I know how intense Mm. and serious Ty is. So I'm sure he's always prepared as though he was the starter. Uh, Granted, it's a totally different world. But you go back in time – under Nick Saban, regardless of coordinator, remember the the players that have won at quarterback? Yep. Pre-Tua? A lot of dudes that aren't playing anymore or didn't play yeah. after Alabama or didn't play much or played in sure. leagues in another country. Like, And they were getting wins out of those guys. Yeah, so I, I just think that this is going to be about efficiency, confidence, riding like Whatever the one or two things this young man does best, clearly QB run game is going to be a part of that, RPO, zone read, et cetera. Um, but they're smart enough to not put themselves in the position because to George's point, like what do you always call them, the Roman army? Like they're loaded. They're, they got the best loaded. defensive player in America. They got a lot of talent. Like I, I don't see them trying yeah, to so run good. the Bryce Young offense. And for Bryce, if we're being real, like A, he's an insane competitor. We all watch what happened with Tua. We yes. know how quickly he came back. It was one of the more unique approaches to health when he did come back in terms of how they yes. repaired his body. Um, not, not talking about with the Dolphins, but back in Miami or back in Alabama. Yeah. So I, I don't know, you know, like 
I don't think Bryce is a guy that's going to shut it down for the season because he's going to be one of the top two or three draft picks in the in the country. Right. Um, but I also don't think that when you're talking about the shoulder, as you referenced, it's wise for anybody, whether you're trying to play European football in Paris or if you're trying to play as the number one draft pick next next spring. So I, I don't know where holding that out, but I don't think he'll do anything that's ridiculous and put himself in jeopardy. It's kind of how I net out. Uh, I would agree. I, so the, the coaching, they're rich and the talent and depth, they're rich. And yes, they will make modifications. Jalen Milroy or Milrow, uh, supremely talented, but again, he didn't get practice reps. Sure. I don't even know. I'm, and, I, and I'm sure he played against, you know, barbecue state and whatever weeks Alabama was playing a barbecue state. I hope he got in and got a chance. But it, when the captain goes out, the El Capitan, their rock star, and Alabama usually doesn't have rock stars. Seems like they've had them late of late of quarterbacks. But when the captain goes out, out trots this youngster, hadn't thrown a ball since pregame and just having fun there. He wasn't throwing balls like, man, here in about 12 minutes, this stuff counts. He's just throwing the ball. Now he's out there. Trust takes place. And I went back and watched this, this game. Trust starts to take place from the standpoint, and I found it. I'm going to do something on here. I'm going to do something that we haven't done on here, and I hope it works. So here you go. I watched this play out. And what you're watching there at home is Jalen Milrow. Take off, third and 15, and go the See distance. Ya. Yeah, that was a 70-yard run, right? 70-yard run. So when I say trust, first of all, in passing situations, Bill O'Brien says, okay, we still have to throw the ball. We're going to widen guys out, empty it all out, and I'm going to give this kid some automatics. Yogi Felder, you know what I'm talking about. Don't Speed read any space. Don't read shit. Just look right here. Be He'll space, be there waiting baby. for you. It's just like in the movies. He'll have an envelope for you. Drive by, pick it up, get on with it. Don't <laughs> talk to shit. Just get it over there. That's it. Boom. Receiver takes it on a screen, goes the, the distance. He throws another little easy ball over there. Now he can say, trust. Trust your home run hitters. Jameer Gibbs. Couple big old 65, 70-yard power run down the yep. middle deals. Where the kid hands off, he's watching from a distance, and he goes, Whew. and then so coordinator, your home run hitters, and last element of trust, trust your feet. When all else fails, and you haven't had a whole bunch of these scenarios, you're in the middle of traffic, and the lights blinking both red and green at the same time. You know what? I got two great feet gone, gone. So yes, they will modify. Yes, this is still the Roman army. And yes, this kid can get wins against these next couple opponents when you've got A&M and I think they got Tennessee and they got a couple other ones. Yes, hard. they can hold it yeah. down. They should hold it down. Give Bryce a chance to rest. Don't rush him in. Don't shoot him up. You're all good. You got plenty of weaponry. You just got to dis disperse the uh, the the weight He's carried so much. You got to disperse it back out, displace it back out and around. Jameer Gibbs is uh, Alvin Kamara from the Saints. 
for those of you that watch the NFL all the time, this is like Alvin Kamara's old brother. But they also know how to use him now better. They know how to use him, and now he's in there. So that's a long-winded way of saying I think these guys are all good, and you can get Bryce his his rest. And I think yeah. they go down. Now, Jimbo Fisher, who's beaten Bama with a third stringer, with Bryce Young starting, this could be the great typical rebound for a Jim Fisher, uh, a Jimbo Fisher type team. Just imagine, just imagine. Oh, I can that. imagine. I mean, he'll be A and M trips him up. Fisher back doing this. Come see me. Oh man, this is going to be. I hope it's prime time. I hope it's yeah. prime time. Is it? Well, uh. I- I, I don't know. Uh, I, from a time standpoint, I'd, I'd imagine. We'll have to look that up. Uh, Felder, I, I want to hit you up on this. Um, what what do you it's think? Eight, it's 8 o'clock on CBS. Oh, yeah. It's, okay, it's the one-time CBS, I think, they could use, like, their flex to get the game. Yes. Right? Um, so, with that said, Felder, like, what, what do you think? Because I, I, when I watch a I haven't talked to anybody down there um, this season. You guys may have. But do you think this is a game where they're going to – come in pressing too much because it feels as though they've pressed pretty hard, right? Standard's been so high. He's openly talked about it. We've kind of loved it, but I, I always go back to the player, right? Like where do you think this, this roster is walking into this game and, and do you give them a chance or do you think they get rolled? I think I there's So I've, I've got, I'm of two minds, Yogi. One, this is a team that has lost to Appalachian state and Mississippi state this year already. Yeah. And then I also think this is a team that has a coach that insulted Nick Saban. That insulted. made Nick Saban not feel comfortable. That made Nick Saban not happy. Yeah. So I'm a I'm assuming, and George, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's got somebody in a closet locked away from May until now working on this game. Because you mentioned Jimbo's coach. No, no. Nick Saban. Oh, yeah, it could be both ways. Oh, yeah. Saban, yes, yes, Saban yes, got somebody yes. working on this game. Yes, He's yes. had him working on this game for a long time. And they might be in the building at AM. and And they're ready to rock and roll. And so yeah. I am – if we get a close game from A&M going into, going into Tuscaloosa, good on them. But I am expecting Alabama to come out, even with the quarterback issues, even with the quarterback injury, excuse me, even with not really trusting their wide receivers a ton. I think that they are coming in and this this defense is about to be cut loose. And then you throw in the fact that Aeneas Smith is not there, which is a, he had a, a, a horrible injury and I feel terrible for him. A&M to be able to generate points. It's going to be a struggle. Yeah. And then this is a team that, I mean, let's be honest, Alabama in this game, they want to pull their pants down, baby. I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> yeah, embarrass you. Like, they want to embarrass oh, you. My like bad, you, my bad. I got you. You know, like, like back in the day. Shoe, like, when you get, like, when you, yeah, you get pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. I, I okay. will say, all Scars the norms. All the norms of midseason football are out. That little section in the back of the playbook. Oh yeah, some playbooks they call them exotics. Feed yes. the studs. All, 
say that again. Feed the we at SC we had FTS feed the studs. Feed the studs. Yeah. Your exotics special teams two point plays. Two point plays are churning up right now. The oh. the fly eagle fly deal with Nick Foles. They probably each got about five versions of that. You best believe if there's a mid season Super Bowl or something that needs to be worked out, this is it. This is that game. I'm gonna all tell you this stuff right here. Bro, all right, we're going to move on to two more leagues here in a second. But here's my final take on that, is that, to your point, it's the Super Bowl. And oftentimes, the pregame show is the best part. And that <laughs> yeah. animation in the open, Gary Danielson will be sitting there with his analysis. But there's a few truths in football. Yeah. One, I believe, is if you can't stop the run, you're in trouble and in for a long night. Long yep. night. A&M hasn't stopped the run all year long. Yeah, at all. I don't care what play you call. I just think that is going to be struggle. And I just imagine you add in a running quarterback from what we've seen, the limited action that we've seen. Mm-hmm. You got to tackle in space. You know, you know all the phrases. It's 11 on 11, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, I don't, They're coming. I think it's a different planet right now on Saturday night. I think it's going to end up that way because of the way that Bama is just going to run the football and it's going to be methodical. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. And Felder said it at the top of this one. A&M, it's a struggle right now, not to get touchdowns, but to get first downs. It's yeah. a, it, it, They have been in some rock fights, not shootouts. App State, yeah. they could not get down the field against App State. And Yogi, yep. to your point, they couldn't get App State off the field defensively when they had third downs. Here comes power. Here comes a trap play. Like, they just could not get off blocks and shut people down. Now they bounce back against Miami, and they turn around and got beat up again against Mississippi State. I mean, bounce back against Miami is nice because Middle Tennessee put the screws to them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a ranked win, right? It's a ranked win. So let's go out to the West Coast. Come on out, Belder. I'm happy for you and your family moving to Charlotte. We would have all loved it if you came out here. Somewhere you know I love the West Coast, Coast, though, Yogi. I love I the know. West Coast. I know you do. I know you do. It's the and best you know Coast. who else does? It seems like the AP kind of enjoys the West Coast. Five teams ranked in the top 25. In my opinion, Washington State absolutely getting hosed. Appreciate what mm-hmm. Syracuse has done. They, but got a, they got a big opportunity this week. Beating Wagner wasn't good enough, in my opinion. Um, with that said, uh, you do, they do have a big opportunity. So SC, um, undefeated. UCLA yep. undefeated LA pretty fun right now. College football hasn't felt this fun since Darnold and uh, Rosen were playing quarterback. Sure. Prior to that, it was Rodney Pete and Troy Aikman. Mm-hmm. And now we got Caleb Williams and Dorian Thompson Robinson who took down UW on a Friday night. Everybody saw it. Um, I, I just want your thoughts. Go ahead. I, Tio. I, I don't, I, I want to move UCLA up more because you mentioned DTR. You should. We got to give him more credit, right? Like this is a guy that's that's really pushed and done a really good job, and the success didn't come as quickly as some folks wanted, but he's a huge part of why Washington is good, right? And obviously Zach Charbonnet, but this Bruins team and and, and Jake Bobo, by the way, the Duke transfer, amazing. Mm-hmm. So I just I just wanted to go from the bottom to the top because I I know everyone wants to talk USC, but Yogi, like, give me something on, and I know George, I know you've worked with DTR before. Like, give I want Yogi and George, like give me some th- wait you guys give me some thoughts on DTR, bro. I, I want you to remember this number, three hundred and four. 
That's the amount of pass attempts Dorian Thompson Robinson had in high school. Yeah. He was a wide receiver as a junior. He played under Tate Martell, who's no longer playing. Yep. He started as a senior. Most of these quarterbacks we talk about have more than a thousand attempts when they come to college. Correct. So we saw quarter two, week one against Cincinnati at home after Wilton Spate get in, got injured five years ago. Dorian get thrust into the environment. Yeah. His first start was the next week at Oklahoma. Yes. Ooh. We saw him highs, lows, highs, lows. And here's where I think it's total BS around the country is that he's kind of painted as that guy. You turn on any of these national pregame shows and like, well, you don't know what detail you're going to get. Like, well, yeah, as a freshman, as a sophomore, but you watch him his last two seasons, he doesn't turn the ball over. He the knows Bills. where to put the football. He's played for Chip Kelly longer than anybody in Chip Kelly's entirety, uh, in the entirety of his coaching career as a quarterback. This is year five as a starter. This isn't year four. This is like COVID bonus year five. I'm coming back. And you watch him operate it. Tight end, zone read, RPO, Charbonnet is your reference. He's lead blocking. He's catching passes. He, he could do a little bit of everything. And most importantly, he's gone from a guy who's trying to figure out how to lead to a guy whose leadership trait, as he defines it, he just came on my podcast this week, which is why I say it. He defines it as my only job is to love the hell out of my teammates. Mm. He doesn't say that year one, year two. Definitely doesn't say that with 304 pass attempts. And I just love the journey he's been on. And my last point, George, is that if you look at the two undefeateds in LA, and I've called a game, two games at SC, one at UCLA thus far this season. So I've been in practice, been intimately around these programs. Who's got a better win? Now, I think SC is the better team in terms of consistency of performance. But with what we know today heading into week six, UCLA has a better win, right? Because they beat UW, who had been undefeated and beat what we thought mm -hmm. was a really talented Michigan State team. Who knows where that'll net out at the end of the year. But I just love where LA is. I'm a huge fan of what Lincoln's doing um, and also what Chip has built. Different approaches, different styles. But LA is, is really fun right now. Allow me. Let's talk about these guys. Let's just talk about their, their first five games. USC has gone up against Rice, Stanford, Fresno State, Oregon State, Arizona State. Now, granted, uh, all D1 programs, they had a nice, you know, test in the trenches against Stanford. Oregon State was actually, I thought, closer than it should be. But USC has taken the field against D1 teams. Felder, let's go through UCLA. And I love Chip Kelly I as know well. It. I knew there, what you were going to do. There's much to love. There's much to love. But it is what it is. And they schedule these teams. Out of the gate, Bowling Green. Respect to the Falcons. That's my sister's alma mater. Okay, they got them. Then it's like they spent a couple weeks trying to win the Alabama State Tournament. They played Alabama and State. Alabama. Yeah. And then they played South Alabama, like back-to-back -back weeks. Let's get in there and let's play the tournament. In a close one. In a close 32-31. And everybody's yeah. healthy, Felder. Everybody's healthy. Now, granted, they came out with the win because some of these teams did not survive that September ambush. Middle Tennessee State drug one out. App State went and drug out A&M. So at least they survived. But two 1AA teams in the state of Alabama, like are we really trying to – okay. Right, but to context, just I'm not cutting you off. Michigan was supposed to play, and they bailed the game. So play they who? Find opponents. They, they were supposed to have Michigan at the Rose Bowl, and Michigan bailed the game. Well, so there's context look, to that. It's we'll circle back. Michigan has Michigan resides in the toughest 
uh, side of a, the toughest division in the toughest league in all of college football. Really, truly. And now yeah, SEC spaced out. All the Big Ooh, Ten powers really? concentrated wow. in the Big Ten East. The they Big Ten three East. teams. That three are playing. Teams. A, I mean, three teams. How dare. If Maryland and UCLA wound up in a neutral site right now, you think the money's on UCLA? Well, yeah. I, I do. I mean, based on what the AP would say. I mean, that's how a lot of these lines are drawn. I don't know what Bet Rivers would say. But I do think that. No. Maryland's got one loss, and that's the big blue on the road, which it was a nice little 12-rounder, well, 10-rounder. But UCLA, Alabama State, then South Alabama, a Colorado team that the wheels came apart, quality Mm -hmm. win against Washington. I do like that. So I look at it like this. To to your point about Dorian and and his image, the the, the view about him being up and down – I think that's lazy commentating on the people who say that Yogi. And it's good that you brought that up, but sometimes it transfers, right? Is field of 12, a really robust off the chains show, or is it Michael Felder? Who's the host, but Felder isn't really robust and off the chains, but he's part of field of 12, which is like just whatever. Sometimes that thing transfers back, forth, back, forth. UCLA hasn't been consistent. They really haven't. They knocked out LSU last year. They won some real good games last year. But consistency is two seasons, three seasons, making your mark. Kentucky has shown such things. Maryland has shown the same progress. I would say UCLA is, but Maryland's not a national story yet either. I think they're a really good spot. And the Trojans, I mean – they keep coming out on the right side of things. I don't know if they're a superpower, but they believe they're one. And right now, I think that makes all the difference in the world. They believe they're one. I, now, I put this to the two of you. We might as well make this national. If if we brought Clemson and USC to Cowboys Stadium, Felder, I give you $1,000. Uh-huh. Which team you putting it on? Clemson and USC today in, in Cowboys Stadium. Who you going to go with? Clemson. Yogi. If you asked me week one, I probably would have said Clemson. I think how I've seen SC's depth and all those transfers evolve and Caleb bounce back, I think he's yeah. such a special dude. DJ's talented, but I think Caleb is like a one percenter or one percenter. Agreed. I, I go Trojans because I think this defense is way more opportunistic than people give him credit for. Um, but I don't. But I don't, I don't think, think you can live on being opportunistic. That's the thing. We saw Iowa live on being opportunistic, and I don't think you can fair. live on that. Yogi, yeah, that's fair. Turnovers, to... like, at some point, that becomes, like, DNA. Or, like, I think right, it's that's... easy. You know, right, like, but would you say the same thing about Iowa? I don't know. I haven't seen enough to be to give you, like, a competent Remember answer. Iowa a season ago, right, with all the pick sixes and all the takeaways, and they're living on turnovers. And I think the difference is, obviously, the hard living. Iowa's offense is – putrid <laughs> they are but when i think about them once their defense stopped once teams realized oh we just shouldn't throw the ball over here it's better for us to punt and that's the difference to me but with clemson i think we're seeing their offense come like their offense won a football game against wake forest with yeah. clemson and then we saw their defense bounce back against nc state yep and, and they're getting that's, pressure that's with why four. i go with them. 
Yes. The front seven, they got real rock stars back up front again. They're getting pressure with four. To me, we don't know what USC is in the trenches because Oregon State, it like they went extra innings to get past Oregon State. Then Oregon State went up and got laid out by Utah. Just yeah, like I called that. that game. And what was yeah, interesting is that Oregon State moved the ball a ton. They just had four turnovers, four picks. Yeah. One this pick six. Rough. Like they couldn't win in the red zone. And to me, what what Utah is and what Utah could do, and just walking around in pregame, I was like, okay. Like they'll look the part of all the teams that are top six, all the world beaters. Like you just look yeah. at size, stature. Junior Tafuna is going to be in all. He, he'd play anywhere as an interior defensive tackle, right? Cole Bishop would play anywhere as a safety. Clark Phillips is going to be a first round pick. He's probably the For best sure. corner on the West Coast. So I, I still think Utah in our league with where we are having, I've seen all the top teams, um, at least on the West Coast. I think Utah still um, is that team. Like, think- I can't wait to see their next two weeks, right? This weekend, they go to UCLA. Be an yeah. awesome game to kick off the day. I think it's 1230 Pacific. And then next week, they host SC. Um, I, I don't remember what time that one's at, but that place is going to be crazy. And SC, like- much like Georgia, as we said earlier, like, they don't have a ton of crazy road games. Same thing for UCLA. Like, I think the, the Pac-12 misses are the first time in probably a decade where it actually is a story in terms of who's going to find their way to the title game who's going to compete for a playoff berth. And I think what's fun, or at least for the Trojans, is like what Lincoln Riley is doing, he'd be my coach of the year right now on the West Coast. People are excited. He's excited, but to, to get guys, like Chris Peterson told me this, who I respect, like it's Chris Peterson, David Shaw, Pete Carroll. That's the, the, the trinity for me, right? And first day he got the job at UW, I flew up there to interview him, and I said, how long does it take to implement a philosophy? Without flinching, he goes, 18, 18 months. 18 months. Right? I told you yeah. that, George. And I believe that. Until yeah. I've seen what Lincoln can do because he got guys and I've interviewed many players on that roster where they said, we've had to blindly trust and they have, whether it's Shane Lee or Eric Gentry at inside linebacker, or Makai Blackman at corner, of course, Caleb Williams, Travis die like Jordan Addison showed up in the summer for crying out loud. Um, I'm just blown away with how he's gotten this thing connected. And it's gonna be fun to see them. Okay, this weekend, it's not going to be easy, right? They get a Washington State team that I think should be a top 25 team. Um, and I do think not being a top 25 team hurts the Pac-12 when we look at the AP poll. Uh, I can get into that if you want later. Uh, but also, it's going to prepare them for that big clash next week. And, and I just can't wait to see. We know Lincoln's going to get it rolling at the level of Clemson and all the other big-time programs. Are they there this year? No, but I'll tell you what, with Caleb – I will never count them out of anything because the dude, I, he's in that 1% of everyone I've ever seen in my life, guys, at quarterback. I just think he's that unique of a player. He just had his 12th start of his life. Now we'll head into like season two of a starting quarterback. And I, but I said early, Caleb Williams is a college football's hip hop version of Aaron Rodgers. But if the Packers went and played the Eagles, I think they'd get rolled right now. And Aaron Rodgers is in many ways better than Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts is hotter than fish grease, and so are the Eagles. And I'm just simply saying, with all these good things about USC and the outing that they came in, their biggest matchup so far was Oregon State. And Yogi, you talked about how big and how improved and how great Oregon State was and what Jonathan Smith was doing. And it came to bear, and they had to survive Oregon State, a team that went up and got knocked out by Utah. And you're saying 
they could travel to a neutral site and go four rounds with Clemson. Well, Clemson, I don't th- other than last weekend at home where they haven't lost in what 37 games or whatever that graphic right. was like 2016 or whatever. It's not it like their defense was world. It wasn't like no. it was when they won the natty. So like, the scary, the scary like, thing about Clemson in watching them, I saw four of their five games this year. They are slowly starting to come into form. They won the first three, four weeks. Really, you know, DJ was just on the bus. He drove the NC State game. He's starting to kind of settle in with confidence. Him and the coordinator, the coordinator's starting to find a little music he can dance to out there, and they're starting to gel. Remember, this is his first time having this coordinator. Do you think Utah could go to a neutral site and beat Clemson? I do. I, I don't think this week. Because I think they're finding their way. They just lost their best player in Brant Keithy. Wait, what's like that the... mean? Do, could they go and play? We cannot make these. We yeah, can't. I do. Make. I think if they, they do. brought think... their bus in and Clemson brought its bus in. Do you think they could get him? I do. And I'll say why. Because I think on both fronts, they're real. And I think that their yeah. quarterback is as efficient of a dude in America, like he doesn't make mistakes. Like granted the Florida one we look at, and that's clearly glaring at the end of the ball game, but he's 70 plus percent completion percentage. They got guys that will play in the next level. I do. I think they're tough enough. I think that I think they are the most physical team out here. And I think that they could go on the field with any of the big dogs and not get rolled out of there. I don't know if they'd win. I don't know if they could score enough. If it was like, let's just say Georgia and Georgia's at their best or Bama with Bryce Young or Ohio State rolling. But I would not, out of all our teams, if you were like, you got to send a rep from the Pac-12 to face any giant you want, Clemson, I could care less, whoever it is, I'd say Utah. And I just believe in that consistency there and that physicality, that approach, that demeanor, and the talent. You look at the last eight years, Utah has put the most – O and D lineman into the NFL draft. I believe that, you know, but but it never gets talked about, right? Like again, lazy takes of like, Oh, Utah. Like, I just think when you look at facts of them, I think they can. And that's why the Florida loss stings so bad because it's just reality. You got to wear it. But I do think at the end of the year, this will be a team that whatever bowl they play in, maybe it's the playoff. Maybe it's not like, who knows what will shake out in that regard, but they'll be able to play and line up against anybody. And will not get rolled out of the rolled out of I'm the gonna, state. Well, guys, well, here's yeah. the thing: we we got we only have ten minutes to go. I just wanted to throw Oregon back into the conversation. What are their chances of kind of bubbling up? I think Utah has a chance to bubble up, but does Oregon have a chance to bubble up at all? Or are they just they're just twisting in the wind? What do you think, George? I think they're look great job. Turn that thing, you know, just just on the bounce back from game one. I think they're bound to keep it going, get a New Year's six that they don't even need to think about. Now, it all hell would have to break loose in the league. And if all hell breaks loose, then we're not bringing a Pac-12 team in anyway. Right now, the Pac-12's best chance is USC. That's it. They're undefeated and they're rolling and they need to they need to pray that the Trojans can keep stride. That's it. If all hell breaks loose, uh-huh. all these guys can go find nice matchups somewhere uh-huh. in a great bowl game. They're not going to get, they have to, even if they ran the table, an undefeated Clemson or an undefeated Big 12 team, it's going to be the three of them for that one spot. Oh, I I agree. I mean, the debate will be amazing, but I don't, I I think to sit here and say like, you have to be an undefeated 
Pac-12 champ to to get the number four spot. Hundred percent. I, I okay. it's an undefeated. There's Clemson. so many factors. Like there's so like are you you have to put some context around it. If you're saying okay, that if undefeated if SEC champ, cool or whatever, put the it. SEC champ in. I got it. So I think the Ohio one. State undefeated Clemson. I understand where you're going from, but I do think there's a conversation around and because and I say because George, I'm on these calls. I present yep. on behalf of the league to the CFP, so I know the intimacy around it. And um, I'm presenting um, to the people, the people out there. I see you, hello, people. Um, I'm just kidding. A, no. What I'm saying is you're you're saying a team is out of it in week six with one loss from this league. Yes. No, that's just not. A, that, I disagree with you on on tremendous levels. I, they just they only got four spots, Yogi. SEC champ, Big Ten champ, they're in. Felder, the SEC agreed. runner up. Does the SEC runner up nameless, or you can put Bam or Georgia's name on it? Do they merit a spot? The SEC team runner up, especially if that's their loss, is in the SEC title game. I think that that's well, obviously. Like I mean, I'll I'll go to history and say that they get in, but. At the same time, we also haven't had a Pac-12 champion be as strong. And I think we haven't that's had a Pac-12 that champ have. with one loss. Is but the when they turn around and they look at Georgia, exactly, Yogi, exactly. That's the but reality, they, George. Is like you, no, no. The Pac-12 hasn't had a one-loss champ since UW. Bingo. A one-loss Pac-12 champ who plays nine conference games. I'm telling you, will get into the playoffs. Not over a one-loss SEC team. Unless there's four undefeated from their respective power five. They have to get in. That's the a deal one, they signed up for. And there won't a, be. There won't be. Everybody a one-loss SEC team moonwalks. No, moonwalks past the Pac-12. Moonwalks. No. I don't even know if they have that, to walk. You could have that argument with the people. I'll let you know how it goes in reality. Because when it's tight, conference titles actually matter. And having so that extra game, if it you didn't won matter it, last well, year, the Big Twelve champ didn't get in, the Pac twelve champ didn't get in, all these other they champs didn't have didn't. one loss. If a Pac twelve champ with one it, loss, yes. shows up Felder at the end of the race, and there's an SEC giant right there, and they also have one loss, and that loss is in the SEC title game, and Alabama and Georgia will have played six or seven different ranked teams in their own neighborhood. No. That Pac-12 team is going to get a nice little gift basket, and they're going to head off to whatever little bowl game they're going to head off to. Well, we'll have a good dialogue if that is the case. I'm sure we'll debate it. Um, All right, let's go to the Big Ten West before we get out of here. Um, Mm -hmm. Paul Chris gets fired, uh, which is pretty interesting. Um, George, I think you just talked to the interim head coach. Minnesota uh, doing a nice little job. I think we all feel good about uh, them up until last weekend. We thought we knew what they were. George might yes. have penciled them into the playoff. And the one-loss team, now. I don't know if they'll be able to get in, but maybe they will. We'll see. And then uh, who wins the division? And like, what do we think? Um, who can come out of this thing? When you look at the standings, we got Northwestern and Nebraska at the top. Granted, we're in week six, so it means it means minimal. But wh- where do we net out? Uh, Felder, I'll give you the floor for two and a half minutes, and then George, take us home. Um, the big thing for me, I'm looking at who does Wisconsin hire? I've said Dave Clawson. I think Narduzzi is an interesting one. Mm. Um, I'm also mm. curious about someone like a Kiffin or a Brom. Because if you're not, if you're going to bail completely on what you've been, then be completely different. Um, so that's interesting to me. Um, I think Jonathan Smith from Oregon State is also interesting. So 
like, and he's done an amazing job, which I don't think we give him enough credit. And we certainly didn't spend enough time talking about him tonight. Um, so I'm going to do that. Minnesota, I, I still think Minnesota wins. And uh, to wrap it up, Yogi, I know that Northwestern is listed as the lead, but I mean, how we've all seen them play and it's not great. Yeah. I don't know who's going to get to that title game, but whoever on the other side is probably going to win it. <laughs> I honestly, the, that's the bit that the, so the Big Ten's been really smart and really progressive in these last five, 10 years. The, their last thing they need to do is break up their divisions. It just doesn't make sense. It's so East heavy that some years Michigan State as a fourth team could go over there and beat whoever. It's just not fair. They need to do away with that. Keep your keep They're your rivalries. To. Keep your rivalries. Just mix it all up and play. But it just doesn't make sense that you have the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Giants all on one side, and they all have to squeeze through each other just to get to the championship of your own league. It just doesn't make sense. So they should get that done. And to Wisconsin, you got your own right there. And Jim Leonard, just like Dave Aranda, when he was the D.C. at Wisconsin, these guys are like, they're brilliant. Leonard played there, starred there. He knows Wisconsin, and the high school coaches love him. Now, you could, Felder, and they are going to have to go out and interview some folks. Brom, no. I just don't see that. They want to get past happy, and it fits Purdue, and that's just their thing. Mm -hmm. Kiffin? Could he come up there and make a lot of noise? Would you go up to Wisconsin? Why You would stay at Ole Miss. To me, it's, sure. they're equal weight. They're equal weight. Clawson, mm -hmm. I like it because Wake Forest is a step up. Luke Fickle, you'd have to call immediately. And then, just like if I was at Nebraska, I would make Mark Stoops say no. Who mm. doesn't want that brand of ball? He fits him, but really now you're talking energy, culture, fire, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know if you can go five wide at Wisconsin, play in, play out. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You look, Gary Anderson left after going to the Big Ten title game. Brett Bielema yeah. left. Like there's, you know, you're always going to be behind a couple big brands in that league. And, and to your yeah. guys' point, you have to have a specific approach to you. I think a lot of the names rung true. I hope Pat Narduzzi doesn't leave. My Pitt Panthers, uh, but it's wild that here we are in week six and there's five. Is that in the discussion? Narduzzi's in the discussion. I, I just always I, brought I, his name up. Yeah, I, I think get everybody's that name out the, there. Yeah, I don't know. I think all these lists are like whatever now. Like it's so early. Like everybody's names on them, um, and rightfully so. But but who really knows? I, I just can't believe that there's five jobs, five already, jobs open already. Like how many jobs are open in the NFL? Bro, how many jobs are open in the NFL? Who's the fifth? Know. Zero. Like, it's just, Zero. what's the professional sport? You know, like. Nebraska, Wisconsin, Arizona State, Colorado, and who? Uh, Say it again. Nebraska, Wisconsin, yeah. Arizona State, Colorado, and who's the fifth? Nebraska. Two in the. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Yeah. Georgia, yeah, Tech. Georgia Tech. Yeah. All right, fellas. Um. This was awesome. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed learning about Savannah Rose and Kennedy. And 100%. I'm going to take those two. Speed and space and enthusiasm Speed. unknown to mankind as we brush our teeth here in about 30 seconds here up in L.A. And praise and blame are all the same. Thanks to those coaches and programs. Thanks to you guys. Had a blast. Uh, check it out on SiriusXM. Listen to the replay of this bad boy. Share it with your friends. Always a good time. Happy week six.